All right, well, welcome to the Oklahoma Drill. This is a football version of the Oklahoma Drill. Um, we've been on kind of a basketball hiatus for a while, and uh, which was fun. We enjoy those, but it's there was a football game that happened, the OU spring game. So we thought we might have a podcast and talk about the things that we saw and maybe some other things happening around the, uh, the OU program, you know, to fill up a podcast for you. Um, I have Nathan here with me. Unfortunately, Ryan uh, lied to us and said he would be <laughs> with us, but then at the last minute, you know, did not, was not able to join us. So yeah. we have been lied to. We're upset. About very, it. very much so, yes. But we're going to try to fight through it for you guys. You know, we can't, we can't let that stop the content. Yeah, can't stop the content. That's that's a good, good mantra to always have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, like la- I, we're I guess a week ago today, last Friday, mm-hmm. the OU spring game happened. It was a night spring game for the first time. Um, I was able to go, uh, I know Nathan was not able to attend. Um, and just speaking from like a, an atmosphere standpoint, like I thought it was probably the coolest spring game atmosphere I've ever experienced, you know? And I mean, that's not necessarily a super high bar because, you know, <laughs> Lincoln, you know, took over basically last year was his first real, you know, for his first spring game and the weather was awful. So it wasn't a real good indicator. Like it was a great weekend for recruiting, but the atmosphere at the game was a little bit iffy because of, there was like a big trace room and injury scare. And then it was just like the windiest day in the history of the world. Yeah. I completely Um, forgot about the trace sermon thing. Yeah. That kind of, I remember like it was even with the wind, it was like a decent vibe. And then as soon as that happened, it like just killed the whole crowd involvement. It just, yeah, that as soon as that happened, everyone was just over it with the wind and everything. So, but yeah, yeah, like just watching it on TV, I thought it was easily like the best uh, atmosphere I've ever noticed on a on a on a broadcast before. Like there's an actual like buzz, like night game sort of buzz going around. It was pretty cool. Um, I mean, I think we're both of the opinion. Maybe I'm speaking out of turn, but. I think we're both of the opinion that it should stay a night game uh, moving forward. I think there's a lot to be gained from it. Yeah, I think if it's at all doable, um, then it it needs to be a night game just because you get that that late night atmosphere. I mean, it felt more like I was going to a real OU football game. You know, I've never, ever had that feeling going to a spring game like it's always. I'm here to basically watch a glorified practice, but like this felt different. It was, it was really hard getting up the ramps and like, it was like a normal OU game day. And that was, that was interesting. Like it was really cool. Um, I think they said, was it 52,000 people were at the game and like it, it felt really like it was a great atmosphere. And, you know, I, unfortunately I was not able to get there in time to see Lee Bryce I actually was a little bit late to the game, but I'm, that was 100% Tiger Woods' fault. I had to watch him finish up his round on Friday. But, um, yeah, so I, I had to miss the Lee Bryce concert, and I was 
kind of standing in like on a ramp as the game started, which was annoying. But um, overall, it was I give the experience an A plus just from an atmosphere um, standpoint in the game. The game itself, um, it was cool, I guess. Like I one of the things that I really liked about it is that it wasn't. You know, like a lot of times, I know back in the Bob Stoops days, like they would play basically a full length game, you know, Mm -hmm. like four 15 minute quarters. And like it was, I think it was like one 20 minute half and then a 15 minute half, you know, so it was like only 35 minutes of football. And like having watched enough spring games, like that's all you need because usually the fourth quarter of a spring game is just every player that you do not care about is on the field, you know? Yeah. And you're, that getting is, a, you're getting yeah, a maximum useless. dose of uh, Daniel Brooks. You're getting a huge amount of, you know, backups on at every level. It's just, uh, as soon as the fourth quarter rolls around, people are zoned out. And especially if it's a day game, right. It's always been, people are just, I mean, they're playing on their phones. They're, I don't know. It, it's like you said, two quarters, one half, however you want to say it, that's all that's needed. And that really that um, it kind of trims the fat a little bit. Uh, you can kind of see um, the players that you'll actually be seeing in the fall play and then not to take anything away from the walk-ons because they work hard and everything. But, I mean, I don't really care if I see them play that much. <laughs> so, um, yeah, one, one, one half is all I need. Well, yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that, I noticed and it noticed it a little bit last year too, but I feel like the way Lincoln Riley, obviously he approaches the spring game completely differently because of the recruiting aspect. Yeah. But I think that goes even further in like how he calls the game, I think is very different than how Bob Stoops called spring game was because I mean, it was like a yearly occurrence, like some walk on running back right. would have a big day because we were just running a bunch of play, like just a bunch of running plays. Nobody cared. And it was just flat out boring. Like, I'm yeah. sorry. I don't want to watch Marshall Musil that's, carry the ball 20 times. That's I just the don't. One that I, yeah. That's the one that always comes to the top of mind for me is Marshall Musil uh, making yeah. his name known in the, the 2009 spring game or whatever year right. that was. Yeah, absolutely. And like, that was, I mean, cool for him. He's like a, a spring game legend for it but like (laughs) if you're really selling this thing as a recruiting event you want it to be as unboring as possible or as exciting as it can can be and i really like the way lincoln calls the games because you know if you look at it like those offensive lines they're not going to be cohesive units so the idea of running the ball a whole lot is probably going to turn into a pretty crappy football game you know you're gonna have a lot of third and longs if you're calling a bunch of run plays and I think he does a really nice job of kind of just getting out there and throwing the ball around you know we have so much talent at the wide receiver positions um that you know put that on showcase for the recruits make people excited about the actual football that's being played yeah I agree yeah um I mean like you said, I don't really want to see, you know, fourth quarter Marshall Musil running out there with, you know, John Fogarty playing on the loudspeakers. I mean, it's that's just a snooze fest. So let's uh, streamline it and get to the real point of the weekend, which 
for Lincoln is absolutely recruiting. Everything else is secondary. Yeah, and I'm going to go ahead and go into it because I uh, had an interesting – Yes. <laughs> I had an interesting experience at spring game. It was uh, not the experience that I signed up for. Yeah, tell me um, more about it. Yeah, so I go to the spring game, and our friend, friend of the pod, Sam Davis, frequent uh, podcaster Sam Davis, is is at the game, and I knew he was there with his girlfriend's family because uh, Sam's girlfriend's brother is going to be a walk-on next year. He's from Clinton. And so I knew he was there, but I didn't really understand like that he was there with them on the visit and getting to do all of the recruiting things that he gets to do. Mm-hmm. So he walks up and like we find each other and we're just talking and like he's got the official OU lanyard that they give all the people that are there on recruiting trips and I'm like first of all that's awesome to me, you know. Right. Like, cool. Um and then but like so we were going to hang out after the game, and I don't know, was just talking to him, and I, so I just asked, I was like, can I just go with you? And he was like, yeah, we'll have to st- we're going to have to do this one thing first, but and then we can go. We were going to go to the Mont. Shout out to the Mont. It's a good place. Yeah. Um, and so the one thing that we were going to do, that I, I had no knowledge of this at this point, <laughs> was the official... OU football like recruiting party that they threw after the game right so we this is like a major this is the biggest recruiting event of the year for OU right Right. there's yeah probably there's at least 30 recruits there on visits almost 20 official visitors you know and so we go and I'm walking and we wind up walking through the facility which I've never been in the new facilities that was awesome you know, you walk around, you see all the the pools, you see the meeting rooms, like really cool just to even get to walk through there. So we went through there and then in, on the practice field, they have a tent set up um, and they have like probably eight food trucks just set up out there. Wow. And did you so, get free food also or you just. So I, I was I did not get free food. Um the family that I was with, which I met them that night, like I know Sam <laughs> right. and his girlfriend, and all of a sudden, the, just this random guy is showing up and being like, "Hey, he's coming with us." Which yeah. <laughs> shout out to the Lindsay family, great people, and they were super chill about it. Um, but they had to pay for me to get in because <laughs> since Reed uh, was on an unofficial visit, <laughs> they couldn't pay for the food. Like, oh, you couldn't oh, provide no. the food for him. So they had to pay for me to get in. So, um, of course, they were they were compensated for that. But sure, yeah. it was just it was a really funny thing because like I didn't know what I signed up for, and then you know all of a sudden I'm at this big time recruiting party, and you know a family that I just met is paying for me to get in. So <laughs> that was pretty funny. Um, now my experience after we got in, um, you know, obviously. You know, biggest recruiting event of the year. All the coaches are there. You see the legend Annie Hansen walking around, making sure everybody's okay. Like that lady is amazing. Like just watching her operate, like she's running everything. She's in charge of everything. Um, and you know, you can tell she's just on. She's got her shit together. Yeah, um, she seems super organized. Like everything oh, they yeah. do just seems to click like really, really well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, so we're walking around, you know, I'm, you know, of course being the recruiting nerd that I am, I'm just looking and seeing, Oh, who's that recruit? Oh, that's Mm -hmm. Ryan Watts, you know? So, um, I'm getting excited about just getting to see like, Oh, do they look, do they look happy on this recruiting trip? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, read the body language. Yes. They all, they all seem to be having a positive experience. So I'm sure every single person who was there on a visit will sign with Oklahoma. Of course. My official analysis. Um, but it was cool because, you know, I'm walking around with this family, you know, me and Sam are hanging out and I'm wearing Sam's lanyard. First of all, like, so I am <laughs> Sam Davis at this event. Mm. Um, and so we're walking around and Calvin Thibodeau comes up to Reed and's talking to him. And at the end, like, you know, they have to make everybody there feel important. So he goes around, gives me the like half handshake, half bro hug thing. Sure. Yeah. Cool. Calvin Thibodeau, very soft hands. I know that's oh. a weird thing to say about somebody, but he has very soft hands. Um. <laughs> So at the very end of the event, at the end of the event, we're leaving. Um, I'd been kind of just staring at Lincoln Riley for probably 20 minutes because, you know, man crush. Um, But we go. Reed wants to say goodbye to Alex Grinch. Obviously, you want to say goodbye to your defensive coordinator, you know, of course. So we walk over there. We're in a line and. The way the way it turns out, I am standing like two feet away from Lincoln Riley as he's having a conversation with people, and I don't know if you got to see. Uh, did they show any of like the like the timeout things that they did, the things during timeouts on the field at all? Did you get to see any of that during the broadcast? Always... No. Yeah, not... was there commercials and stuff? Yeah, th- yeah, there were commercials. So they they showed nothing of like okay. timeouts or anything like that. No. Well, I just want to like talk about how during one of those, they had a punt catching competition. Oh, you know, they actually did show like two seconds of that. So okay. they briefly showed a little bit. Yeah, I completely forgot until you just said that. But yes. One of the guys in that punt catching situation was trying to catch punts in the exact wrong way to catch punts. <laughs> yeah, he, like was he was holding just his sticking his hands yeah. up. Yeah, they like, showed that guy. I think they were making fun of him almost. Oh, yes. Uh, well, Lincoln, as I'm standing next to him, he was making fun of that kid. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, I thought that kid was going to get a broken nose from that, man. He's like, you can't try to catch a punt like that. It was yeah. really funny to me. Um, how does it's like how do the, how do I sports kind of things? That's what a that yeah. definitely what it looks like. <laughs> that kid had never watched football in his life. He just showed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, but, you know, so I'm standing over there while he's telling this story and then it, he winds up turning around. Alex Grinch is talking to the family and everything. And at the end, they're going down the line, wanting to know who everybody is and making sure that we all feel important. Sure. Uh, you know, obviously, I I had the story ready that I was the cousin of the family because why? Right. You know, got to have something. I can't say that I am uh, the sister's boyfriend's or yeah, the sister's boyfriend's friend. Like I don't think that works. But <laughs> yeah. uh, so I was I, cousin, you know, cousin yeah. Al, or I guess cousin Sam. Really, that's yeah. what they would have seen. But yeah, I got to shake Lincoln Riley's hand and and Alice Grinch Grinch's hand. So. I mean, being the complete OU football dork that I am, like a big day for me, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, and it, 
just getting to see how everything because you hear about these recruiting events like we pay for this information that's like oh they did this and like oh they had this party and everything but it it was really cool to actually get to see how that goes down and like just how much energy you have to have to be a college football coach because right you know you just coach a football game and now you've got to go out there and make every single person that's there on a visit feel like they're really important like if they had not come up to me and shaken my hand for all they know i could be a like a really important person in this kid's recruitment you know what i mean i could be like oh you shouldn't come here they didn't even care who i was you know so they have to do that for every single person that's there with the the recruits you know yeah you could have been like the uncle you know yeah (laughs) you always hear about it where it's like Oh, his uncle didn't want him to go there. You That's know, how I think you should have gotten. <laughs> He's like, Ooh. who are you? I'm Reed's handler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm his agent. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Oh, God. Incredible. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I think about that a lot. You know, like you mentioned, you made a good point. Um, how much energy you have to have. I'm, I'm pretty sure being a college football coach would probably kill me. Like, I don't think I'd have any chance in hell of being able to work the amount of hours they have and also, you know, just let's be frank about it, like just do the amount of kiss ass they have to do to recruit these kids. There's no way, but I mean, I am, I applaud that they do it for our entertainment. So, yeah. Um. Well, and like, I'm the kind of person that like, anytime I have like a normal interaction with somebody that isn't like super awkward, I like pat myself on the back, <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, good oh, job. Good job, right. Alex. You didn't screw that up. You didn't make it weird, you know? And <laughs> yeah. that's just like, they have like 300 of those, you know, yeah. it's like in one night and I'm just like, man, I would, there's just no way that I would be able to do that. Yeah. I would step on my, like I put my foot in my mouth at least 10 times and just in that, you know, condensed two hours, probably yeah. more than that. So yeah, absolutely. Well, that's really cool. I mean, it reminds me of, there's kind of this legendary, uh, OU, uh, barbecue story of this guy that snuck in as a, and he said he was a kicker. So this is kind of what I thought of whenever you said you got to do this is like you're you're the kicker in this uh, barbecue photo event. You snuck into the event. So, yeah, it's unfortunate that I'm not shaped like any football player that they would ever be interested in. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like I was like, I can't really pull off anything. I'm five foot five. Like they they don't want me. (laughs) Yeah, it could be like a. yeah, uh, Channing Tatum and oh god, what was that? Uh, the movie where they went back to high school. Good god, I can't think of what. Twenty One Jump Street. He's like, yeah, excellent bone structure, young man. And he just walks up to him. It's like, how old are you? Twenty five. Yeah, it's like, oh, yep. Well, oh, that's funny. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I guess we game. should talk about yeah. football. Maybe we should. Uh, this is kind of this is pseudo football. Um, yeah, and I don't. I don't think that any conversation about this game can start with anything other than Jalen Hurts. Um, yeah. Because, A, you know, we have seen a fair amount of Jalen Hurts play football, you know. And I would venture to say that the majority of what we've seen from Jalen Hurts as a passer hasn't been, like, the best thing we've ever seen. There's definitely right. been some accuracy issues and just – you know, some decision-making that you're like, eh, I'm not really sure. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I distinctly remember, like, making fun of him on Twitter for, like, arm punts. So, or maybe not making fun, but, you know, 
kind of making fun, <laughs> right? Like, right. Well, was, that was that was the thing that like before Tua, Bama just never had this like star passing quarterback, and he was right. just he was really the first quarterback that was capable of doing anything. Like, mm-hmm. he was at least a solid runner, and like he yeah. didn't throw picks very often, so he got the but job he, done. They won a title with Jake freaking Coker. I mean, yeah, they, did. <laughs> they have they haven't needed a quarterback. So this was the first guy that like had, looked like had like was anything outside of just, you know, carbon copy of the other five you know game managers that they've had since Greg McElroy. Um, so at least he I mean, A.J. McCarron was fine, but he, uh, he was the standard until uh, Jalen Hurts showed up. And uh, he's right. a really dy- like you said, he's a really dynamic runner. He's an okay passer, but like he said, he had accuracy issues. Um, he couldn't really throw a deep ball very well. But yeah. you know what? What? Whenever he got beat out by Tua, there were still people that got, kept talking about like, oh, he's really made a lot of strides as a passer. But I just kind of brushed it off, you know, because it's like, oh, they're just trying to make him feel better because he lost his job. Um, but whenever he did play last year, he did. I mean, his stats are better. He was like a seventy percent passer last year as Tua's backup. And also, which is probably mostly in garbage time, but he also, I mean, he had the great uh, showing against Georgia. I mean, he won that game for him. So maybe he has uh, made some strides. And then under Lincoln, I would expect him to be able to uh, continue, hopefully continue that uh, progress he made um, this uh, spring and summer. And especially with Lincoln, Lincoln does such a great job of just designing plays and getting guys open for them. So really the, they don't have to thread the needle, you know. It's already kind of laid out for them. So, I, I mean, I, I don't expect him to be Baker. I don't expect him to be Kyler, but I do expect him to be improved from what he was at Bama. If that makes sense, like I would expect a better passing ability um, this season than what we've seen from him as a true freshman. Let's remember, he's a true freshman and a true sophomore uh, his first two years at Alabama. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree, and you know. He was, I mean, I think that the offensive guys at Alabama, they did a really nice job, obviously, this past year. But, I mean, none of them are even close to the level of a Lincoln Riley, just as his ability to mold his offense to the players that he has. Like, it just seems like that is his biggest strength as a play caller and uh, designer. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm pretty confident. And, like, from what we saw, I don't think you could have expected anything better from Jalen Hurts. Like, he looked yeah. phenomenal out there. Yeah, you can't – I mean, yeah, I agree. He he played really well. He definitely outshined Mordecai, um, which we can get to later. But at the same time, it's, just, it's, it's a spring game, so I don't know how much to take from it. Like, if you had – read last year's you know indictments of Kyler Murray you would have thought he'd get benched by game two so you never really know what to take out of it but I mean it is I mean it it makes me feel more confident that he didn't suck you know (laughs) so at least he didn't go out and and play against walk-ons and do poorly so yeah it's um, that's that's the thing it's like really you can't prove that you're going to be a great quarterback at a spring game, but you yeah. can like kind of show that you don't have it at a spring right. game. Right. Or know? that you're not ready for it. Yeah. Right. And I, he, I, he passed the test is, is really yeah. the main, the main point. Um, I thought that the, the biggest thing that stood out to me was just, I mean, comparing him to Tanner Mordecai is that you would expect Mordecai to really have a better feel 
mm-hmm. for the players around him and the offense itself. And you just didn't get that feel at all. Like you could tell that Jalen Hurts has worked his butt off since he's been here. And there was just a comfort level. I mean, obviously he's a much more experienced player. Yeah. But you would think a guy coming in to a new system that hasn't been in it very long, you would think he would struggle more than the guy that has been here for a year. You know? Yeah. They were running, I mean, they said they were super vanilla, you know, like they weren't, the defense wasn't doing anything exotic, wasn't making life hard at all, but um, I think that was what kind of jumped off the screen, it's just how, you know, settled and composed and, like you said, comfortable uh, Jalen looked compared to Mordecai. I thought Mordecai uh, maybe got to let the moment get to him a little bit, like he was trying to force too many things, he kind of took some deep shots when they weren't there. Like, he wasn't really letting the game come to him. And as he kind of allowed, as the game went on, he kind of settled in a little bit more and started taking what the defense was giving to him. But by that time, he was like 4 or 14 or whatever. His stat line was terrible. So, right. Um, he, I think he yeah. had to go ahead. My biggest takeaway is that Tanner Mordecai is the second best Tanner on the roster. Um, <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, because Tanner Schaefer came out there and looked like a, a real quarterback. Yeah, prior to Canadian Texas, yeah. Canadian I, Texas came out there, killed it. Um, I mean, no, not really. Like, I, I'm not, I'm not done with Tanner Mordecai. I'm not on. Not the, either. I'm not I, on I was, the Austin Kendall level with him. Like, I was never in on Austin Kendall. I think there right. might be something there with Mordecai, but. Um, uh, first, he, I just trust his arm more personally. Yeah, I, I remember last year. I mean, it was like four passes. So I'm going to try and like tap the brakes a little bit. But I just remember thinking like, man, the ball just jumps out of his hand whenever he threw it uh, against FAU and whatever other rando schools that he played against. Um, so I think he does have some base talent. And th- there were reports throughout the spring and you have to kind of, you know, judge who you're listening to and what they're saying because a lot of it's just kind of smoke and mirrors especially whenever it's like from fifth parties or whatever but um people were saying that it was you know there there was an honest back and forth and mordecai was looking good so i think a lot of it was just uh he didn't play very well um maybe he got a little nervous maybe he was trying to force too many things and he's only a redshirt freshman so i think a year as Jalen's backup will be good for him and then um i would expect you know, I still expect Spencer Rattler to eventually be the guy that uh, succeeds Jalen Hurts, but I think Tanner Mordecai can at least make it a honest battle next year, and not it's not just a de facto sort of thing to Rattler. I think he has some real talent, um, and I, I agree. I think he has a better arm than Kendall does. So, yeah, hopefully um, we'll get to see that some whenever they you know beat the brakes off of North Dakota or whoever the second game is. I think it's either North Dakota or South Dakota, some random Dakota. <laughs> I, I think it is North Dakota, not yeah, not North Dakota State, but North not the Dakota. good one, but the other one. So, um, yeah. So let's let's go ahead and move on. Um, you know, we I mean we've said all week like we were impressed by Jalen Hurts and not impressed by Tanner Mordecai. It probably doesn't mean anything. Hot takes, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's move on to the other other guys in the backfield. Did anybody else stand out to you? I think. I mean, T.J. Pledger had a nice run. Jeremiah Hall had a nice run. There wasn't a lot of opportunities because, like we said earlier, there wasn't just a whole lot of running throughout the right. game. Um, yeah. No, I mean, there wasn't much to really take take away from it. I think Pledger, well, I think Pledger is a 
a good player. I, and so I yeah. think he'll be a solid third back in this offense and maybe for he'll it'll be between him and Ramonde Stevenson for that third fourth back role. Yeah. But I think he's a good kind of change of pace for what they do with the one and two. So mm-hmm. I expect him to get some real snaps. Um, and he runs hard. I don't know. He had a good cutback one, in one long run. Uh, he, I don't know. Jeremiah Hall had a long run. and I, So it's nice to see that he's not, you know, just forgotten, I guess. Um, yeah. I, I'm i not out on Jeremiah Hall. I'm really not. I think yeah. that everybody's kind of written him off because they moved Derek Willis or Braden Willis. Sorry, Braden not Derek Willis. Willis. Yeah. They moved Braden Willis over to H back. And so they're kind of like, well, obviously Braden's just going to be the starter and Jeremiah Hall is not going to be in the program very much longer. But I, I think that they're different enough at yeah, that I think position the, that there's a role for both of them. I think there's a chance we'll see times when they're both on the field. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there were times when we saw Carson Meyer and Jeremiah Hall last year. You know, I don't right. I think Lincoln likes him some big athletes, and I think he saw an opportunity for Braden Willis to get on the field more so than he could at inside receiver, and I think that was what forced the move. I don't think it was the fact that, oh, Jeremiah Hall sucks. I don't think that's it at all. And, you know, that's something that I don't recall hearing him hearing about him doing at East Carolina, and it's certainly not really something that they did at Texas Tech. So I think that's something that he's kind of um, – seeing that Bob liked and kind of noticed in his you know first couple, three or four years here. And uh, he's seen the value of it. And he's the, what's uh, good to see is he's continued kind of recruiting those guys. So it's not something that's going to go away because right. it's just one, it's something that it's kind of a curveball that a lot of schools don't do. So whenever they play OU, they're not used to covering those guys. They're not used to having to worry about those guys. And all of a sudden, you've got Dimitri Flowers out running the Ohio State secondary. You know, I mean, it's one of those things that um, kind of separates the this offense, just another thing, really, um, from yeah. most of the other programs Absolutely. in the country. But yeah, I, yeah, I'm not a down on Jeremiah Hall either. Like, last, if you remember this time last year, there was a lot of smoke that, like, this dude's going to transfer. He's getting, you know, he's not going nowhere on the depth chart. And then he had that big uh, catch against Texas Tech, and he's like, "Who's he might have saved the game against?" Texas <laughs> yeah, Tech. that was a huge catch against Texas Tech, and people were like, "I remember watching it." I was like, "That was Jeremiah, like Jeremiah Hall caught that, you know, like because yeah. again, he was one of those guys that just kind of left for dead." So um, I don't know. It's yeah. ex- it's really interesting imagine, to see. Go ahead. Imagine him being on the field with, I mean, maybe Braden Willis, but like if he's out there with like. C.D. Lamb, Charleston Rambo, Trajan Bridges, and Grant Calcaterra, or whatever, any combination of those guys, he's going to mm-hmm. be the last guy that a defense would expect to get the ball. Right, yeah. And, like, the fact that Lincoln has embraced that, like, no, there's not anybody that we're going to put on the field that can't make a play is really exciting. And it's it just, like, that is one of the main reasons why Lincoln yeah. is the best at what he does. He puts pressure on every defensive player on every snap. And I think that his usage of jumbo athletes is just a perfect example of that. Well, you know, and it's one of those things where keeping those guys on the field uh, allows them to not have to, you know, if they, if they want to go heavy, they don't have to substitute. So it doesn't allow the defense to substitute. So they can, you know, they can shift from, five wide to jumbo package and the personnel hasn't changed at all. 
And so the right. defense ha- is out there with, you know, they're in their dime package, and all of a sudden they have to, you know, have a beaten bow offensive line pull- with two guards or a guard and a tackle pulling and then a lead blocker uh, <laughs> coming straight at him, you know. So it's one of those yeah. things where there's just so much versatility all of a sudden. Uh, but it really opens up a whole lot for the for the offense. Yeah, well, and that's even even harder to deal with because OU has really emphasized having big backs that can right. really punish you and can catch the ball. Like, it's like what OU is doing offensively is just it's genius, really. Like mm-hmm. it, it makes so much sense, and you're like, yeah, why wouldn't we do that? But like, so many teams are not doing it that I mean, pretty much every other team isn't doing it. So right. it's pretty incredible. Um, let's talk about the offensive line. Because, I mean, in this setting, just real quick, like, this is probably the worst type of setting to evaluate the offensive line. Because, yeah. A, we we were starting to walk on centers on both sides of the ball. Like, we don't have a scholarship center playing right now because right. Creed Humphrey's hurt and we have guys coming in the fall. Um, and also, like, the starting guards were with one guy in or with one quarterback and the starting tackles were with the other, you know? Mm-hmm. So again, it makes it even harder to evaluate. Was there anybody that you saw that impressed you, um, up front? Uh, well, to be honest, I didn't really focus directly on the line. Um, so I don't know if I could single out an individual, but I will say that no one unimpressed, like I didn't see anyone that was like glaring issues um, whereas there's no way, you know, X, X player is going to, you know, make it on the field next year. Um, yeah, I mean, I want to, I think, I think the thing that just kind of jumps out is just how big they are. Like Marquise Hayes is a massive person. Um, and so it's just, I, I actually felt, you know, fairly comfortable with how the, how the line, you know, looked after the during the spring game especially for like you said their split you know the starting the quote unquote starting guards are on one team the quote unquote you know starting tackles were on the other um, and it's they're all new players they don't have creed they still played fairly okay like i didn't notice a whole lot of mistakes so i don't know i think right. um, given time given you know some some games to gel i think they'll be fine this season i really do yeah, I 100% agree. And, like, maybe it's an indictment on the OU defensive line, but That's by, by no means were, was it a situation where the quarterback was running for his life every play. Like, that just wasn't happening. And yeah. I tend to think that the strength of our defense is the defensive line. So that's mm-hmm. probably a positive in that regard. And, like, because these guys – it's not like it was a bunch of nobodies. Like these are really, really talented players that are getting out there Mm -hmm. and holding their own against guys that have a lot more experience than they do. And there's one guy I want to talk about. um, And I guess I'm just going to defend. I never, ever thought that I would be the one to do this, but I'm going to defend Eric Swenson. um, Please. Because he is right now, he is the starting left tackle and Every person that I hear talk about it is, well, if he's starting a tackle, that can't be a good thing, you know, and right. Or it's a situation where like, well, if he's starting, that won't last. Um, but I think that 
you know, it's worth giving him a chance because that guy isn't like he wasn't this two star guy coming in. That's a guy who was committed to Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. I know they're not the best offensive line school ever, um, but the guy was a four star recruit coming in. Like he's not a guy that didn't do anything before he got to Oklahoma. He was a talented player. And I think that it's worth like giving him a chance. Like if he is the day one starter, I don't think it's a situation where you're going to be like, Oh, well this is going to be like Josiah St. John out there. Like, (laughs) I don't think there's, I don't think, I think Biedenboe is well past ever having to put a Josiah St. John or a Derek Farniok type guy out there. Yeah. Um, like they keep saying like, Oh, this is like 2015 and maybe from like an experience level it is, but from a talent level, it's nowhere close. So, um, if he's the guy, you know, he might not have the ceiling of like a Bray Walker or uh, whoever else they want to, th- you want to throw out there. But I mean, he didn't, you know, like look glaringly bad yesterday, you know, or last week. Yeah. So yeah, I think go, go back go and look at who played on that 2015 offensive line. Y'all, and ugh, you literally cannot tell me that this offensive line will not I mean, be better. So the, like, there's the no op- way. The offensive line that started against Clemson in the Orange Bowl, the first round of the playoff, was left tackle, true or redshirt freshman Orlando Brown, true sophomore Jonathan Alvarez at left guard, uh, senior Ty Darlington, like 280 pounds at center, <laughs> yeah. uh, senior Nila Costatati, which is like, you know, fine, whatever, and then right tackle, true freshman Drew Samia. Yep. Yeah, Jesus like, Christ! Like <laughs> the old guys on that offensive line are like maybe the most average football players you can come up with. Like, yeah. Ty Darlington was a really, really intelligent player and knew what he was doing, but he was so small. Like yeah. that guy, like seeing him now is hilarious too because yeah. he's way smaller. Um, but Nila was better at the ukulele than he was at football. No, yeah, Nila, <laughs> he was just. He, he would find, be, yeah. he'd be third string on this offensive line now, or at yeah. best second string. There's no way he's starting on this offensive line. You know, and he like was a, the guy with experience. I think he'd be like a large tight end. You know, I don't even know if they'd have him. Yeah, or maybe line. even a center. He might be like the backup center on that's, this team. That's fair. You know? I think he got a, I think he got some practice squad looks at center. Yeah. Me. So that would make sense. Right, but like. I mean, Orlando Brown as a true as a redshirt freshman was not the Orlando Brown that we no. saw go to the NFL. Like he was not. He got at least one personal foul every game, some false starts. Like it was yeah. not a pretty experience. And you know that there's there's just no way that this offensive line. I think there's a better chance that this offensive line is. 2017 caliber than 2015 caliber. I don't think they'll be that good. I think it's probably more likely going to be a uh, 2016 type offensive yeah. line. Um, and that 2016 line, like, I mean, if you remember, they didn't start out super hot, like against Houston. That was, I mean, I think if I remember right, Alex Dalton was the right guard and Drew Samia was the right tackle. Bobby wasn't even starting yet. Right. Uh, and John Alvarez was, Alvarez was the center. So, I mean, yeah, there, it took a few games for them to kind of work the work themselves into like the you know what the Cody Ford was the left guard and he broke his leg against Ohio State. Yeah, so it took a few games for them to kind of turn into the lineup that we kind of became used to um, mm-hmm. towards the end of the end of the season. But 
Um, I don't. Yeah, and that that line was badass by the end of the year. Like yeah, they, they pushed Auburn around. I mean, they had they helped Rodney get 200 yards against Georgia. Or so, wait, yeah. no, sorry. This well, it's the same guys. That was the yeah, year later. But it, same guys. It was 2016. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, they. I mean, that Auburn front. They had some good players. Uh, uh, number one, I can't think of his name. Montrevious Adams. Adams. Yeah, Montrevious. Yeah. I was thinking Montrevious. Montrevious Adams, right? So, I mean, they had some good players. So, um, and Joe and Samaji just kind of ran it down their throats in that game. So, yeah, that was great. Um, yeah, I think that that is. I mean, I, you know, there were t- last year. OU literally had the best offensive line in the country, and there were times in the first five games that people were like, uh, mm-hmm. "Does OU have an offensive line problem?" Right. Well, like um, if you're, yeah, like against Iowa State, they didn't really play that well, and people no, were actually they didn't play well against question. Baylor either. Right. Yeah. So, so, in all likelihood, the first five or six games, yeah, there's going to be issues. There's going to be. That's what Bill Bedenboe is a tinker guy. Like he likes to move guys around. He might wind up starting a guy in the wrong position, and then he right. has to move him outside midway through the year. But what we can get like what we know he will do is he will wind up getting the right combination of guys out there. And in all likelihood, if I don't know if Bray Walker starts the year as a guard and then winds up playing tackle, then I feel pretty confident that that time at guard was really well, like was really good for him in his development, Mm -hmm. you know? So um, I'm, I'm excited to see what they can do because like you said, just some of the most massive human beings you're ever going to see. Like Daryl Simpson, my God, that guy right. is so big. Yeah. Bray Walker, like, it's just it's just one of those things. Like, he, they just jump out at you on the screen because even, I mean, they're bigger than a lot of NFL guys. You know, they're huge. So, I mean, Beatenbow definitely has a type, and it just, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's something you don't see in a lot. Of, most colleges, you know, they're aiming for 300, but we got, OU has guys that are, you know, 340 in, like, multiples out there so yeah on, on no, the same a, line so. it's awesome it's awesome to see uh let's go ahead and finish up the offense let's go to the receivers um td lee made another appearance with a nice one-handed catch mm-hmm. um a really also really great missed tackle from ryan jones but we won't talk about that yeah td lee made a great play um i want to talk about the freshman because that's to me, those were the headliners other than Jalen Hurts. Like, sure, yeah. The fact that we saw flashes from basically all three, and I feel confident that if Jaden Hazelwood had gotten reps with Jalen Hurts, he probably would have had a pretty solid game, but he uh, he was forced to play with the the lesser Tanner, so yeah, and I think um, he, he was wasn't as showcased. I think he was also still recovering a little bit. Like, he had rolled an ankle or whatever earlier on in the spring, so I'm not 100% sure he was 100%, so... Um, I think he was right. maybe on the mend a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the star of the group, Trajan Bridges, had a great game. You know, he had mm-hmm. that one catch where, I mean, honestly, Jalen Hurts didn't make the best decision in the world, but it's also like a completely defensible decision because he's like, yeah. well, Trajan Bridges is really good. You know, he's probably going to make the play. At the very least, Trajan Bridges is going to make sure that the defensive player doesn't make the play. Yeah, he's you also know? like, it, you know, it's a spring game. I'm just going to toss this up here. So yeah, there's no real, no true consequences here. So just wrap right. it up. Um, yeah, like, and Trajan, he looked great, man. He, he did multiple things. He did that play where he 
beat a defender one-on-one. They had other couple other plays where his speed was on display. He looked faster to me than I really kind of thought he would, yeah, there was honestly. One, there was one where he kind of is over the middle, kind of. He, he kind of outran through, he ran through the second level, and I don't know, he showed a pretty a burst that I'm not sure I quite realized he had. Uh, so that's yeah. exciting. Yeah, uh, Theo Weiss caught a couple touchdowns from the better Tanner. Um, and, like, that guy, I mean, obviously, you know, you're impressed with what he did. But just looking at him, yeah, it's it's hard to believe that that's a kid that's supposed to be in high school right now. Yeah, he you is know? what he's what you think of, like, in your head when you hear five-star wide receiver. He's, like, every bit of, like, 6'3", 6'4", 205 pounds, you know. He's a, uh, he's impressive. So and he, he's fast. I don't know. I expect him to play. I mean, I think I expect them all to play, frankly. But right. I mean, yeah, like you said, he he's the, just the stature is something you don't see that often, especially at that right. age. Well, to me, when when I think about receiver, is I mean, we've had some really really solid players there the last few mm-hmm. years. Um. But, I mean, obviously, receivers aren't going to play every play. You know, right. when C.D. Lamb went out of the game, he was replaced by, who was his backup this year? Was it Ram? No, Rambo was Brown's backup. Oh, well, A.D. Miller, Miller was for part of the season. <laughs> right. But my point is there's been a fairly significant drop-off in talent from mm-hmm. our starters to the guys. Like, I know Jordan Smallwood a couple years was like, one of our primary backups at receiver, you know, for CD and like CD to Jordan Smallwood, that's pretty massive in terms of talent gap, but CD to Theo isn't, I mean, CD's better, obviously he's older, but I mean, I don't think, I mean, I feel pretty confident that Theo is going to be in that ballpark when he is CD's age, you know, and we remember how good CD was as a freshman. Yeah. Well, I mean, think about where CD was, uh, you know, just like his body, like developmentally wise. He came in, he was skinny. I mean, Theo probably has 20 or 30 pounds on what CD had whenever he came in. Um, so he'll be able to just, you know, as a, just being able to withstand the grind throughout the course of a season, he'll be able to do that and hold up a little bit better. Um and what, whether it's, you know, from CD to Theo or to Jaden or Trajan at the H or all these different guys. or I, I mean, I thought Jaqueline Crawford had a really nice game. He showed really good quickness. I think he could, you know, get some snaps this year. So, I mean, it's just yeah. the future in that room is just super, super, super bright. And you just mm-hmm. hope they don't all get frustrated because they're backups year one and want to transfer something. Right. Because they're more than likely – um, unless, I mean, with the exception of maybe whoever is at the Z because of Charleston, they're probably all going to be starting next year. So we're ex- yeah. not starting, you know, heavily in the rotation. So I would expect yeah, absolutely. Uh, once this year passes and it becomes, you know, Charleston and these freshmen, um, it'll be them that are kind of leading that room instead of, you know, the baton passes from Marquise to, or Didi to Marquise to CD to these guys. Yeah, so I have a question um, about these guys. How many games into the season does it take before Trajan Bridges is starting at that inside receiver spot? Mm, I don't know, because with Nick Basquin, it's like 
I, I half expect Nick Bassman to like be a captain. So I don't really know what to expect with that. If he even he might be like technically starting, but playing like twenty percent of the snaps. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, um, I could see that. Um, I I mean I, I could see it by whatever what's game whatever game four is certainly by Texas I could see it. Um, but I'll yeah. say like maybe against UCLA he has like a really good game, and then what that next week you see him, uh, you know, being the main guy at the H spot. I could definitely see that happening. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I really like Nick Basquin. He's a great story. Like, I'm glad he got his six year of eligibility. Yeah, but just, I mean, you just got to look at the talent, man. Like, there's, oh, yeah. there's no talent. comparison. Right, talent. I mean, Nick Basquin's a nice role player, but he's not Trajan Bridges talent wise. Right, and and the way I look at it too is. You know, Nick Basquin is going to tear up Big 12 defenses. He's going to tear up Texas Tech. But if we get in a situation where we're playing freaking Alabama, right? Who do you Nick who ba- do you want on the field? Nick Basquin isn't going to get, be getting a lot of separation. No, you want Trajan Bridges, a guy that even if he doesn't get tra- get separation, can still make a play. You know? Yeah. No, you know so, Nick Basquin had a couple decent. I mean, he's had some nice plays, but I agree. The principle, I agree. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I certainly expect him throughout the course of the year to just slowly eat away Nick Basquin's snaps until he's right. the guy. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, this is, Oh, I guess we can't, we've got to mention Austin Stogner. Yeah. He's because impressive. He made a nice play. He made some really nice plays out there. Jalen hurts hit him with a back shoulder. That was great. Like I, I think Austin Stogner is going to be, like the best third down receiver that we've ever had. Like he's going to be incredible in that role, in my opinion. Sorry, Gino Lewis. Yeah, no, Gino was great. But I mean, the dude is going to wind up being six, seven, 265 pounds. And like, yeah, and he's he got run. as sure hands as you're going to find. Like he's going to be a monster in that role. I also really like the idea. I think he's got as, you know, how many dimensions can we really use? But I think he's going to open up another dimension of the offense in that we're going to have a massive guy that can line up at the end of the line and block yeah, his as ass a, off. As a traditional and still tight end. Be, yeah, he's going to be able to be that traditional tight end that can also go out and be a badass receiver. Right. And, like, that's just another element that we haven't really had prior to this. So, I mean, I'm really excited to see Austin Stogner. That dude, he still looks pretty thin to me which is amazing because mm-hmm. he's a huge kid. Yeah, he's like 6'7", um, <laughs> Yeah, and he looks really skinny, man. Like, that kid's going to be huge in a couple years. Yeah. yeah um, he's, you don't see uh, – I mean, he's he's a very natural receiver. I don't know how, like – you know, I, I, I cringe to, to use the sneaky athletic trope, but, I mean, that's kind of what he is, you know? He's a – I don't know how actually athletic he is, like how fluid of a of a runner he is, but he just seems to understand how to kind of position his body and work into spaces on the field where the defense isn't and stuff like that. Like he seems to be pretty well coached in that in that part of uh, the route running aspect of being a tight end. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so we are a bad podcast. Um, we're almost an hour in, and we haven't really talked about the defense, um, and that's kind of, kind of one of the bigger storylines. Very, very on brand. Very on brand to just put <laughs> off the the major thing until the the end, until we're an hour in. Um, okay, so 
I mean, I guess there's not necessarily, I mean, we are kind of, it's a defensible decision by us because there were so many guys held out on defense that yeah, it's hard like, to even know what the hell was going on. Well, and they, and they weren't pressing like at all. No, they were, they weren't, they were barely blitzing. Like they did like one, like they did a couple corner blitzes, but I mean, yeah, Grinch was talking about how they are just super, super vanilla, um, I just don't really know how much you can really take away from it outside of, you know, so-and-so looked fast. Like, uh, for example, I thought Brian Asamoah looked fast. Do I think he's going to play very much this year? No. But, <laughs> but I mean, right. maybe next year I could see him starting to you know, be in that conversation, that kind of stuff. I thought Jamal Morris, you know, as a true freshman, flashed a few times. I thought Buki looked decent, which is, you know, encouraging. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I mean, I think there were like just a few individual little standout kind of moments, but as far as a collective whole, I mean, you still saw some of the, like you mentioned, Ryan Jones's, you know, half-assed tackle against Lee Morris. Part of that, Lee Morris is really big and really strong, but also so is Ryan Jones. So, I mean, how much can yeah. you? I mean, he, Ryan Jones should be able to make that tackle. So you still saw some of the old kind of negatives creeping in, but I would, right. you know, bash Ryan Jones for that because, I mean. He had just moved to the Will linebacker position, and maybe yeah, he should tackle. Maybe I should bash him, but um, I think my expectations are so low right now that it just doesn't surprise me. And it's going to take a while for them to get built back up to like what's reasonable. So um, I think there's—I don't even know if I can say that I definitely noticed like an increase in hustle because like it's—it's it's a spring game. I mean. It's and you're out there with you like there are a bunch of walk-ons, especially in the secondary because there are a bunch of banged up defensive backs. So I don't really know what to take away from it, but just in little spots and like certain people, yeah, I saw some positives. But I mean, Grinch has yeah. been right on the nose throughout the whole year, or excuse me, the whole spring. His message has been consistent. We got a long ass way to go. And, I mean, just this past week he said, I, I don't even know if we're top half in the country. And I would agree with that because why do we have any reason to think we won't or that we will be immediately in the top half of the country just because of Oklahoma? I mean, that's great and everything, but they were – I mean, they were 129th in the country against the pass. And, I mean, there's, there's not – it takes a while to build up anything, even if, like, your base talent is good because – I mean, you see it every year. There's a lot of not very talented defenses that are good defenses because they do all the other stuff. We're kind of the opposite. So, I don't know. Right. All that um, to say, I don't know. Right. I, I want to point out uh, one of the more amusing things that I saw at the spring game was uh, Buki. Um like, I mean, you can't help but kind of just, you can't, yeah, you got, you're <laughs> kind of drawn to just watching him because you can tell he has a huge personality. Okay. And after, I think it was Jalen Hurts' rushing touchdown, like Jalen was like, oh, let's get a picture with the offense. Um, and so every, the offense that was on the field at the time came out mm-hmm. there and they posed for a picture. And I don't know if you guys noticed, but Buki comes sprinting from the sidelines to get in the picture. And he like photo bombs the offense's picture. So it's 11 offensive guys and Buki right there on the side. And I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, that is, that is pretty good. Um, also, additional note on Buki. Yeah, that give me guy all, give, is, give me all the Buki facts. Okay, that guy is again. small as hell. <laughs> yeah. Like, 
I this is not something that I didn't know. Like I knew the guy was undersized, and I I I had an idea of what I thought he was. But that guy is like five six and a half. Like he <laughs> like I'm five foot five and a half, and that guy's like maybe an inch and a half taller than me. Like that wow. guy is he is a short guy. Like. I like what he walked right by me. Obviously, I knew it was Buki. He's probably the most recognizable guy on the team. Yeah, he's and, got a very distinct look. Yes, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Like I don't feel tall very often, <laughs> and like he was still taller than me, but it was by such a small margin that I kind of felt tall that I was that close to in this in height to a Division One former five star defensive back. Yeah, I mean, okay. I mean, if he's that tall, like, I know that he's, the whole argument for him being a five-star was like, oh, he's just such a great football player. But, I, I mean, if you're a five-seven, maybe, I mean, yeah. I don't think you should be he, a you'd have to You'd have to run like a four one forty for me to <laughs> yeah. buy into you being a five-star. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm glad that he was a five-star because we got him and, you know, made us look better in whatever weird way. But, right. uh, I mean, <laughs> that. To me, five stars are like the unicorns out there. You know, the guys yeah. that are... So the Keeley Ringos. Every, yeah, yeah, the Keeley Ringos. Yeah, exactly. The Patrick Peterson guys. Like, if you're dramatically undersized and you're not, you know, compensating for it in every other possible way, like, I don't... And, I mean, Boogie's supposed to be, you know, he has the 10, 10 out of 10 instincts or whatever is what the cell was, but he's not, you know, a 4140. I don't think... I mean, does that even exist? But... Uh, <laughs> no, no, it does not. I think ten two two or four two two is like the lowest that's ever. I don't know four two four, whatever. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, we're I'm getting we're getting I'm getting off uh, off topic <laughs> here, but <laughs> just for the actual defense, like I saw some nice things with the defensive line and spots. Like I thought Stokes looked pretty good, and he's gotten a lot of praise. Uh, yeah, that the, guy looks he looks like a dude. Like that's really the way well, to put it. Like he I looks like a dude. Yeah, like during his uh, visits, like they they were taking like they obviously always take pictures. So I was like, holy, that that guy actually like looks in the part, and I could, I was really surprised that they like they found this guy in state at a JUCO this late, and he looks like that. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that was just, in December, right? Yeah, before like, we even offered. Tape, yeah, it's like does this tape just really suck or like? <laughs> and then I watched it. It's like no, he looks good. So I don't I didn't yeah. really understand what I was missing, but um, right. Anyway, the I thought Gallimore flashed pretty well. You know, I, I'm a little confused what they're doing. Um, like they had Bamatau playing like the three tech with right. uh, Gallimore and Overton playing the one tech a lot, and Stokes was at the yeah. three. And it, sometimes he's at the five. Right. Um, Perkins was at the five, and not the seven. Like the, I, they had some weird kind of stuff going yeah. on. And I, I I get it that you know a lot of it was. Uh, uh, you know they're trying to mix and match and fit things. Uh, you know because they don't they probably don't have the bodies and the you know, the body types that they wanted each spot. But um, there's just some odd stuff going on that like I don't really know if I buy Famatayu being like a good three tech. Um, but I don't know. It's hard to really say. I, I thought, go ahead. No, I I've been I've been team Kenneth Mann at the three tech since Grinch got the job. Yeah. Like I think and, that is where he needs to play. Um, 
and he just didn't because play, he's a so better athlete. Right. Maybe he right. might have, they, like, whenever they actually play, maybe they would actually play him there. Um, yeah. So I think him really and know. Stokes would be a really nice pairing because, I mean, obviously we got the news that Tyrese lost not on the team anymore, which sucks. Yeah. Um, Jordan Kelly's hurt too, so, like, also sucks. Um, so I think that we're going to have to just deal with the fact that, like, we're going to have to play some guys, some undersized guys at that three tech spot right. in order to really have the athleticism that we need on the field, in my yeah. opinion, you know, cause I would rather, I would rather roll with guys that are a little, probably 15 pounds underweight to really then have to deal with watching Dylan Famatau out there, play that position that I don't think he's suited for at all. You know? Yeah. Well then the good news about that is, I mean, if you look at what Grinch was working with at Washington state, his, that defense was tiny, you know, he's used to working with undersized defenses. So, um, I'm not super concerned about it because he's shown that he's been able to do it in the past. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he, they weren't always like, they were kind of susceptible to big runs. I mean, I know Khalil Tate ripped him up, but that happens. Um, I mean, I think you can, you can, you had to be prepared to give up some things, uh, yeah, in, or, in just, order to create havoc in the backfield and create turnovers and whatnot. I just am so sick of being the defense that gives up five yards every run. You know, like that's the defense that the OU specifically cannot be. That's what that's the kind of defense that keeps our offense off the field. That's the defense we cannot be. So we're giving up a 40 yard run, but coming back with a couple tackles for loss. Like, give me that all day. Yeah, like last year's defense, like they weren't that. I don't actually have the stats in front of me, but. If I remember right, they weren't that terrible in like you know, large plays given up, but they the problem was they could never get off the field. So they just it's like death by a thousand cuts. You know, they'd give up you know five, six, seven yards of pop all the way down the field and give up touchdowns anyway. That's almost like you said. That's almost worse because now you're letting the opponent eat clock while they're scoring every time. So right. you're keeping your number one offense off the field. And um, mm-hmm. so if you can, if they give up a little bit more big plays this year, but are also able to get off the field and force turnovers. I think you take that every time. Yeah, I agree. Um, so we've talked a lot about how, I mean, there's not, I mean, that's been pretty clear from day one that Alex Grinch has a different idea for the types of players that he wants. And, you know, it's not, you know, he, a lot of, a lot of it is Mike Stoops' fault. Mike Stoops was, I mean, probably his biggest sin as a defensive coordinator was the fact that it just, nothing was consistent. Like one, one cycle would be looking for this type of guy. The next cycle would be looking for a completely different. And so we wound up with a bunch of guys that just don't really fit anything. Yeah. He could never decide what he wanted to be. Right. Um, And that's, that's all that's worse than deciding you wanted to be something bad, you know? Exactly. You know, so um, I thought it might be a good exercise to kind of run through the positions on defense and kind of based on what we have seen from how they're recruiting so far, kind of give a an idea of what kind of player they want at each position from like a size or just an attribute standpoint. And maybe even like we think that this specific player from 
whatever past or whatever team would be a really good fit for what they want. Um, so let's start, let's start right up there on the defensive line and let's start right at that nose position. Um, what is, what are the attributes you think they're probably looking for at that spot? Uh, well, I think they obviously, I mean, everything they do on the defensive line, seems like they want it to be predicated about getting up field. So, I mean, I think Neville is pretty close to what they want. Uh, I mean, I, I know I've read that they Draymond Jones at Ohio State is really somebody that they would like the body type they're looking for, the ability that they're looking for. I don't know if that was specifically at the nose or if that was at the three tech. Um, but I think Draymond Jones as a just offensive tackle is somebody that they're really looking for. Um, uh, you know, yeah. Tommy, Har- Tommy Harris, if you think about, you know, his ability to get up field. I mean, that's, you know, that's the, the ideal situation, but I think, you know, that sort of body type, that sort of ability to shoot gaps and make plays in the backfield is something that they're searching for. And you see that a lot. Um, but I think that might be more at the, at the three, at the one, it's kind of hard to say, um, because we haven't really seen them do a whole lot of offers there, but I think Neville's mm-hmm. not Neville's not far off the mark of what they're looking for. I think if Neville were two inches taller, I think he'd be exactly what they want. So like a six four guy? Yeah. I think they want a guy I, I just think they want more length pretty much yeah. across the defense. And That's probably fair. you know, we've seen some of the guys that we thought they would go after and they haven't necessarily mm-hmm. gone after as hard as you would think. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that they're just a little shorter than they're comfortable with. Um, And I I mean, not to say that like, I think they would take a Neville Gallimore because he makes up for his lack of length with plus athleticism. And like, he's a good player. You know, I think he fits the defense really well. Um, But yeah, we need more of guys like him. And I think if they could make him two inches taller, they would. Right. Um, Yeah. So yeah, over to the three tech spot. Um, I think that, yeah, like you, I think Draymond Jones is a really good compare. Like that guy is who they want. Like now, mm. those guys are extremely hard to find. Right. Um, I mean, but this is the ideal, right? So right. <laughs> if exactly. they can have anybody, that's what that's what they're wanting for. And I know that I've read that that that's who they're searching for. That's how like, they're pie in the sky kind of scenarios. That's who the kind of guy they're looking for. Yeah. Um. All right. So let's move over to that that kind of five to seven type guy the other the strong defensive end is kind of what i guess the name would be for it um i think that i think ronnie perkins is a decent um player to put there Um, yeah though i think i think at the same time it's kind of what you just said at the nose tackle he's a little short yeah Uh, if he if he were six four six five instead of six two six three yeah I think that that is exact. I think his the way he plays is kind of what they want there, though. I think, I, like, if I'm being honest, I think Marcus Hicks from from like a length standpoint is a okay. lot of what they're looking for. Like a six five, two seventy pound guy, I mm-hmm. think is what they want at that spot. Yeah, you, you know, you look at what they're what they're offering uh, in this current class. Like Blaine Toll, he's six five, right. two forty now. He's going to be that size at you know once he's in a college weight program and right. goes through a year or two. I think the actual best case guy, like if they could just pick from a guy that OU fans will definitely know. I think Dan Cody is probably a pretty damn good 
pick for this spot. Because that dude, you know, 6'5", 270 pounds, yeah. ridiculous athlete, could get yeah, out for the quarterback. Toll. And, may, and Blaine, yeah, Blaine Toll <laughs> is obviously the next Dan Cody. <laughs> obviously. Um, coach on uh, the field. Yeah, coach on the field, hard worker, <laughs> lunch pail guy. Yeah. Um, uh, but, yeah, I think Dan Cody is, like, if, you know, if you're just, like, want the best-case scenario at this spot – I think that's probably pretty close to what you're looking for. Uh, let's move over to the rush defensive end spot. Um, and I think a guy like David Aguebu is a pretty good. Yeah. I think he's a pretty good fit for this position. You know, 6'3", 6'4". Kind of like Geno Grissom-ish. Yeah. Yeah, maybe a little quicker than Geno Grissom. You know, I think that that's probably pretty close to what they would want at that spot. I think that they would like to move away. I think Oboe would be perfectly acceptable. Like, I don't think they would turn away a guy like Oboe. I think first and foremost, they want they want a guy that is a pass rusher. Like, they want a guy who's got a a great first step, um, a really high level athlete. But I think if they could pick like i think they would want a guy that can do that and is six four you know oh yeah and i think the thing that they liked a lot with oboe is like he had really long arms so i think that would be yeah oh he's not the ideal height but he has the length we're looking for sort of thing right yeah absolutely um all right let's move over to linebacker and uh let's start at the mic and it's hard to say like I mean, I don't think you could ever go wrong with getting mm-hmm. a player with the physical tools of Kenneth Murray. Right. Um, you would prefer him to hopefully be a better football player than Kenneth Murray. <laughs> um, well, well, we'll see what Kenneth Murray does. We'll see year, what he I mean. does. We'll see. I'm, yeah, I'm not. I'm not like saying that Kenneth Murray sucks. I don't really think that. But like, yeah. you know, and I think this defense could actually. I think he could be one of the guys that really breaks out in this defense. Like it fits him a lot better than what he was doing, and I think he's sure. going to be more well coached. Obviously, um, so be hard to be worse, but I guess yeah. it's possible. Yeah, but just as far as like, I mean, obviously, oh, I'd like to have two Roquan Smiths. Great, awesome, duh. Yeah, but like, if we're like, if we're going to be semi realistic about it, like. I think Kenneth Murray, like you would love to have guys that look like Kenneth Murray on your football team, you know? Sure. Well, who's the, I can't think of his name. The guy that went to Ohio state just a couple of years ago. That was like, six Baron four. yeah. Like I think that's kind of the body type they're looking for. Like, right. I, you know, pie in the sky, ideal situation. Right. Um, yeah. For the mic. And then for the will at all. I mean, you just said Roquan. I mean, that kind of seems like what they're going for. Kind of the, Six two, but really, really, really freaking fast. Yeah, lining linebacker. I don't. I don't think Deshaun White is far off of what they want at that spot. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. I mean, I mean, they're offering Court Williams and Josh White for this current class, and they're both like six two, two hundred and ten pounds currently, but really freaking fast. Yeah. So um, I think Roquan is like the ideal, and then Deshaun White is like a reasonable um someone that they can aspire to and not someone right. that you might get once a generation like Roquan yeah I absolutely. think that's a a legitimate sort of thing to expect yeah well and I think that the main thing that the number one attribute they want for I think it's just speed man like I think yeah. they want a guy who's fast as hell sideline to sideline will, kind of like a guy that can get 
yeah, can get anywhere on the football field that he needs to get, you know. And I, I think Deshaun White is that kind of guy. You mentioned Brian Asamoa earlier. Yeah, like, I think that's really another tough. type of guy that I don't think is that far off. And it's kind of funny that, like, you know, we've mentioned guys that are on the current football team. And mm-hmm. I've said this before, but I don't remember if I've said this on a podcast, but the idea that the linebackers we have currently on the roster fit this defense really well mm-hmm. is stupid. Okay. <laughs> Tim Kish sucked. And because he sucked, we accidentally have linebackers that fit this defense. <laughs> right. The linebackers yeah. that fit the defense we were running last year should not fit this defense at all, but they did. Okay. Right. I just want to point that out. Okay. I'm not trying to th- give, Tim Kish a compliment for the job that he did. He did a bad job. Well, most of it was, it wasn't like he said, it wasn't intentional. It was right. like he, he tripped and fell into this kind of thing, but he's not even here to see it through. So no, I don't know. You don't have to give yeah. him props. No, I <laughs> will not involved. give Tim Kish props. Yes. All right, let's move on to the secondary. Um, let's start at corner. Really and, tall, really fast or really long yeah, rather. Yeah. I mean, Obviously, I think pie in the sky. We mentioned Keely Ringo earlier. Yeah, he's he's the ideal. (laughs) Duh. Like, there's like one or two of those guys a year, and they're really, really hard to get. With him, Um, I don't even know if it's a year. It's like almost every four years you see, like, because he's like what six two two oh five and runs a ten four. Like, you don't see that. You don't see that very often. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Well, the only reason why I said that is because like Elias Ricks is also. Yeah. So, like, there's kind of two of them this year. I, so, I think Elias Ricks, like, well, first off, he has super long. I feel like Keely Ringo's more like freaky. Elias yeah. Ricks is just like a better ball player. Like, I think he's more of a sure thing, but I think Keely Ringo is like the, like, the, the upside number, guy. Yeah, the upside guy, right. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, you would love to sign the best cornerback in the country every year. Um, that would be great. But like you said, I think, you know, they, I think six, one, yeah, I think they can live with a guy being six foot or five eleven if he has long arms. Yeah. Like Dante Manning. Just gotta, right. Yeah. yeah. We just got Dante Manning who isn't, I mean, he's probably going to wind up being, I think he's probably five eleven if I'm being honest, but he's a yeah. really, really good athlete. He moves extremely well and he's got, he's just longer than what you would think he probably has like a six, three wingspan or something, you know, something longer than what you would expect. Um, but I think like, they're not going like the previous staff, they decided that they were going to let size kind of not be the top priority because they wanted guys that were really twitchy was always the word that Kerry cook said. Um, and so we wound up just having a bunch of guys that got mossed all the time. So, (laughs) right. They, were not, they could neither tackle nor cover anybody, but at least they were twitchy. Yeah, and so I think that they want to just – I think if, if Alex Grinch had his way and, you know, this guy, he's a brutally honest person, but, like, I, he would never actually say this, but I think he would replace, like, almost his entire secondary if he could, you know? Like, I don't think well, he really likes any of his players back there, if I'm being honest. I think honest. Trey Brown's, like, the only one. It's going to yeah. be really fast. Yeah, they like Trey Brown because he's ridiculously fast and not, like, 160 pounds. And I <laughs> right. think everybody else can go to hell. It's basically kind of what I'm getting. They seem to, from... like, they seem to like, like, 
Dolaren turning yellow and Pat Fields, but I don't think they're right. like the prototypes. You know what I mean? No. I mean, I think they yeah. like Pat Fields. I think it's almost with Pat Fields. Like, I like you as a person. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like you don't suck. He's got know, a good like, mindset. I don't know about right. your body or like your tools, but you got a good brain. Yeah. <laughs> Pat Fields, another so. guy that I was shocked by how small he was. Like, I. Did no, he's not, not know big. he was not that size. He yeah, he is not a big guy at all. Yeah, I, I, um, I said that during whenever they were recruiting. I was like, really? I was a little surprised that. Was, so like with Pat and Jordan Kelly, I was surprised they offered both of them, but they did. So. Right. <laughs> yeah, and they seem to like both of them. You know, yeah, relative uh, to where they were thought of shows, coming in. Shows, so. shows what I know. So right. Um. So at safety, I think that. I think it's a guy that's relatively similar to what they want at corner, but bigger. Like, I think they would rather have a guy. I think um, I'm trying to think of a guy that people would know because I'm just thinking of guys that were recruiting and like, duh, they want that guy. But Dax Hill. They, yeah, Dax Hidden Hill. I think uh, Josh Proctor. Who, I mean, I think, I think Josh both. Proctor is probably the best. Yeah one I can come up with because like the dude six two, six three can Runs move really could, well. Yeah. Yeah, could arguably play corner if he needed right. you know, guy they want a guy that could can cover one on one but is also not gonna be undersized yeah. to make a hit. Over You're not the seeing a lot of box safeties getting offered. There no. are a lot of mostly they're guys that could play corner if pressed, but are really you know, they cover really well. They're really long, so they can, like, break up passes. Yeah. Um, like, like, I Bri- think from a... Go ahead. Well, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, Bryson Washington. I w- yeah. watched his uh, highlights the other day. He's really long. He has really long arms. He kind yeah. of... I don't know. He kind of... He's in that Proctor mold. He's 6'2"-ish, right. probably. Um, I think that's yeah. kind of what they're looking for. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and I think that... Uh... Crap, what is that guy's name? Oh, God. I guess from an OU standpoint, like, I think from a size standpoint, they wouldn't hate having a guy like Steven Parker, but he just isn't as fast as the right. guy that they would want. Like, Steven Parker was a, a solid player, but he was like a 4'7 guy, and like, they want like a, a fa- just a faster version of him. Like a Brodney Poole, maybe? Brodney Poole is probably the best example yeah yeah because Brodney Poole was a legit he could cover and he was fast like yeah I yeah. think Brodney Poole is a really good uh but yeah, like I think that's good for like early 2000s comparisons then like they're they're offering more like the Brodney Pools and not the Brandon Everages like exactly yeah you know. they don't want the guy who's gonna you know be a liability in coverage honestly mm-hmm. like you could get away with that in the early 2000s but you just cannot <laughs> in right today's day and age um so that really leaves um, the nickel position because this is an interesting position on this defense because I at one point I thought that that a certain type was the guy they want but I I guess I was just wrong uh, yeah I, I thought a, like a Court Williams was kind of what they wanted at this position but yeah it doesn't seem that way so what kind of guy are you thinking at the spot I think they want like a one of those uh yeah, so we were talking about the safeties are kind of these hybrid corner guys, but are leaning towards safeties. I think they kind of want the obvious kind of, is he a corner, is he a safety kind of guy? You know, he could be both. Right. Um, like, in the current class, I think Jacoby Covington makes a lot of sense for kind of mm-hmm. what I think they're aiming for yeah. in that position. Um, you know who I think is a good fit for this spot? 
Who's that? I think Jeremiah Cradell is a good fit at this spot. Really? Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's a little. He's probably an inch or two shorter than that. What they would ideally want. Okay. But I think Cradell is a good fit because, like, he is. He played a lot of corner in high school. Um, I think until his senior year, he played corner. Um, yeah. And then he went to modern day and played safety. And like, I think they aren't, I mean, they might have to play him at safety because they don't have any safeties they like or something. But I think Buki is going to play there this year. Um, but I, I don't think we'll ever see another Buki get recruited by this staff. Not by this staff. No, he won't meet the height. He, he, but you must be this tall to ride this defense. Right. <laughs> yeah. He would never get recruited. Um, but I think, you know, I could see, I know they were playing, tinkering around with Jamal Morris there over the, uh, during the, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Yeah. I I can see different scenarios and I'm not quite a hundred percent sure because like you said, I thought until really just like the last couple of weeks that like their ideal nickel was almost like a spun spun down safety hybrid linebackerish thing because that's kind of what Grinch did at Washington State. But yeah. it seems like he wants more of a hybrid defensive back, you know, quarterback safety thing there. So I think it's yeah. a little bit of a work in progress. But um, right. I think the really long uh, corner that could be a safety or it could be a you know safety that maybe just a touch slow or whatever uh, for corner – just kind, yeah. of, kind of the hybrid kind of guy is what they're looking at there. So they can, you know, work in the slot and be these big slot corners almost. Yeah. No, I think that that is absolutely, absolutely spot on. Um, and that, and that, like, you know, you talked about, I don't think that they would hesitate to play a guy at nickel at safety. Like, I don't think that the guy that they want at safety and at nickel is all that different, you know? Yeah. I, I Maybe just a that. little bit more shaded towards corner than that they want at safety you know i think they want like a really good or i don't know about your not your best coverage guy but a better coverage guy there and right because you have to do a lot there's a lot more uh, coverage possibilities i guess and you're right up against the line and whatnot right i'm not a you know i'm not a coach so i don't know all the different the nuance of it but um, Mm -hmm. it's just from my uh you know educated guesses that's that seems to be what they're going for yeah um, so I think that that's probably a good place to stop, uh, for, for this episode. We went a pretty good pit, you know, almost an hour and a half guys. Yeah. Um, which was always going to happen. Um, it's inevitable. We, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I don't know when the next thing is going to happen for OU football for us to really be able to pot about, like, I don't know. We might hit you with some more basketball podcasts because the NBA playoffs are in full effect and just basketball is more interesting at this time of year, in all honesty. so um, <laughs> Softball we'll podcast coming to you. Oh, yes, yes. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, keep your eyes out. There's a lot of recruiting things going on right now. Absolutely. Like there's, I think there are three sets of eyeballs that are yeah. unaccounted like, for liter- at the moment. Literally, to, like right now. <laughs> so that's what... As of today, there are new eyes getting posted. So, um. yeah. So yeah, keep your eyes out on that. Um, uh, so I guess that'll do it for us. I, I hate doing the outro. Uh, thank you for listening to the o- Oklahoma Drill. Please rate us, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, 
give us five stars. You can pull up Bomani Jones. If you don't, if you give us four stars, I'm inclined to think you're a hater, uh, as <laughs> Bomani would say. Um, but yeah, follow us on Twitter. Don't follow Nathan. He doesn't like you. Um, follow me on Twitter at Alex P. Purdy. Follow, even though Ryan lied to us, I'll give him a shout out at RW Maxi. And if you want to follow Sam Davis, I mean, I don't know why you would, but not that Sam Davis is that handle for you. So he might get you into the next recruiting. It's possible. Unlikely because, you know, (laughs) but it's, it's not, it's not impossible. So, yeah, um, right. Play, yeah, got to play the cards right. Um, so that'll do it for, for the Oklahoma drill. Thanks for listening.